This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEN. Welcome back to another episode of Sporting Max. Thanks to Bastion GRP for all your specialist needs in recruiting, engineering and defence. Go to bastiongrp.com. Now, on the show today, we have the team logistics manager at the Boomers, former equipment manager at the Utah Jazz, and now security guard for Paddy Mills. He's an absolute legend. Junior Veranta Leo. He's come from the outback in Australia, now to the NBA. What a journey and career he's had. Junior, it's great to have you on. Thanks, Max. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for the opportunity. Junior, now, I want to start off um, prior to going on air right now. We were having a bit of a chat about Paddy Mills and how the Paddy Mills you get off the court and you see on TV um, and he loves representing his country as Paddy Mills, you know, you see off the court and get to spend time with. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, Paddy is a special, special person to to our country back home, obviously, you know, um, and just being able to be be around be around him for the past um, you know, 14, 15 years, doing boomers together. Um, special moments, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and being able to get a bronze medal and bring that home with him. Um, it, uh, it is just, it's, 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 it's special and it's unique, uh, but he's an amazing person. Um, mm-hmm. What you see on the court is what you see off the court. Um uh, great, great culture, love, uh, great culture person, great team person, um, brings the vibe, good vibes, you know, so um, um, I'm honoured to be around and be a part of, of his journey and um, him being in, around my journey as well. Now, as we've mentioned before, Boomers for, I guess, the last 15, 16 years, I think it was January 2008 you started up there? Correct, yeah. Was, yeah it's been, how did uh, you get that gig um, at, alongside, you know, Paddy at the Boomers? Man, um, at the time, Patty would have been at St. Mary's, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Delhi, the, those great young group, Bainsey was young, Joe Ingalls. It was a young crew. So um, I was working for the Gold Coast Place at the time, NBL mm-hmm. team. I was an assistant to um, a legend um, in one of the team managers, Big Big Joe. Or yeah. Joe Tadzakian. He's a been around the league and well-respected in the league. Now he's with the Wollongong Hawks. Mm-hmm. Um, he brought me in as an assistant to him at the Gold Coast Place under Joey Wright's staff. Um, so it's one day, Biggie was like, hey, June, it's like the boomers need a hand um, at TSS. You know, we'd love to have you down. Um, would you, Would you? sorry, would you mind going down and giving him a hand? Um, and I was like, yeah, all right, cool. So I shot off and Biggie went to do Gold Coast Place training and, I shot off down to the boomers camp and not knowing what to expect and um, who to meet. And, you know, at the time I'm loving basketball and I obviously um, just being, being around, it was such a big, big um, enjoyment for me and especially for me. Um, but then to step into boomers camp and I was like, man, you know, this, this <laughs> I wasn't expecting what I was going to come into, you know? So yeah. Um, yeah, and I came into camp, and Nick Mercer was the operations team manager, logistics manager at the time. Um, just gave me a few instructions. It's like, I just need your hand. Uh, can you help me for this week to do camp? Cool. Yeah, no worries. I'm, I'm down. Um, and, yeah, and ever since then, I've been in the system, you know. So um, uh, I'm, I appreciate I'm grateful to Basketball Australia for this opportunity. 
Um, it's taken me around the world, uh, you know, many, many different countries, mm. um, different tournaments, uh, you know, got a gold medal in the Com Games, got a, a gold medal for Asia Cup, you know, now, now the Olympic bronze medal to add to that. So it's, um, it's been an awesome journey. So when did your love and passion for basketball begin? And I grew up in a community um, west of Cairns uh, called Mariba. I grew up with, I actually went to school with Alan Baines. So me and Bainesy, we come out from the same community, same town. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, community of rugby league and basketball, soccer. Um, so, you know, something that most of my friends just played, um, you know, lunchtime, after school. So couldn't get enough of it. I had a had a hoop in the backyard and, you know, so it was something that started real slow and, and, and went um went into sorry, two sex max. That's a um, good but it was it was something that went to um um you know grew from there and mm-hmm. I played rugby league and played basketball. So I enjoyed both sports like so I'm uh, love my rugby league to be honest. Um and definitely, definitely, obviously, love my basketball. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. that's that's where it, that's where it started. And um, you know, when I was living in Sydney, um, had an awesome coach down there who planted the seed in the early days and took that onto Cairns. And then, yeah, uh, so this is where I am right now. When did um, that? When did it become realistic, or like that you'd be a team manager in the NBL, or? Then working it over to the NBA and things like that. Um, when I was doing the NBL, and then I did, um, you know, I was doing a couple other jobs on the side. Yeah. Um, obviously, I wasn't full time, so you know, obviously, you had to work work outside. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of sacrificing, a lot of you know, long days, one job, two jobs, plus basketball. Um, you know, some amazing families uh, that took care of me and looked after me. Um, you know, every 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 journey has a high and every journey has a low. So I've gone through all of it to face it, you know. Um, but just being able to appreciate the people around me um, that have been a part of my journey. Um, so it, it, it grew to a point where I was in Adelaide. I was, I went from Gold Coast, Gold Coast folded. Um, went to the Olympics, came back, moved with Gibbo, Adam Gibson, who was my roommate, um, you know, good family friend of mine now, and we've, you know, been good mates ever since, we're in the same group with Patty, um, to Adelaide, lived in Adelaide for a bit, was an assistant to Jared Campbell, who's the team manager in Adelaide, um, and then uh, Brisbane Bullets came back in the league, and then I got I got a, I got a gig in Brisbane for the Bullets. Um, so then it became... Um, you know, just love doing it. Love what I love what I did. Love being around the guys. Love serving the guys and just creating a good environment, good culture, good vibes. You know, so um, what we had in Burmese was no different to what we had in the NBL. Um, after we hit um, the NBL with COVID, lost my job. Then went back to driving semis. So I drove semis and um, moved with my family up north. Uh, to back to Cairns. Um, so, yeah, I um, I guess I, I would say really just working my butt off, really, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it's 
a lot of people, there's a lot of people, oh, you know, it must be, you know, you, 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 you do towels and water for the guys. And I'm like, yeah, but my towels and water for the guys has been able to take me around the world, you know, so I've been mm. able to travel, you know, so to be able to appreciate that and appreciate, it didn't matter how big my role was or how, how big my job was or how big my, or how small the job was. Um, I've, you know, you kind of step on the floor or step on the court uh, into work to every day. You, you got to give nothing but 110% mm-hmm. um, because that the presentation and the eliteness level that you set an environment, it makes it, it, it creates culture for the team, for mm. the players, for the coaches. So um it's one thing we're big with in the boomers. It's one thing that Patty's big with. Joe Ingles is big with, you know, um, our big names from back home. So after coming out of the Olympics and being in quarantine, I get a call from Joe Ingles like, James, you know, um, Utah Jazz, they want to see if you'd be interested in a job in the NBA. And I'm in quarantine, mind you. It's my third, fourth yeah. day in quarantine. <laughs> I'm there and I'm like, Joe's just playing jokes with me. This guy loves to prank me. So um, he's like, has he, has he pranked you other times? Has he? Oh, there's like you know we've been around each other a while, so he, you know he's 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 that he's the guy in our group that just it's exciting. It's it's fun. It's you know it's always it's always a good joke. It's always a good laugh. So um, when Joe when Joe had that made that I you know I still thought it was a joke, but then I had a call. You know, not long, not long later from from. Um, Eric Phillips, who's the head trainer for the Utah Jazz. Um, yeah, and that's how the NBA came in. Um, and it's great. It's history for me because, and, and well, I should say for, there, there's no, um, there's never been a team manager or equipment manager from Australia. Yeah. So, so to be the first person to step into a role and represent your country and come out from a small community, um, to get out and be amongst the biggest, you know, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, you know, um, you know, Clarkson, Sting, mm. working in games, you see Curry come in, you see LeBron come in, you, you know, you see all the big names. So being able to go from this and be in, in the pinnacle of it, has been, it's been a blessing for me, um, but it's, it's made me appreciate a lot more of who the people have helped me to be on this journey. You were talking a little bit about before the role of a team manager in different environments and setting culture and things like that. Do you think people underestimate the role and what a team manager does to the environment of a group and really it diversifies that culture and brings the group together? Max, if there's no culture, if there's no culture and there's no there's no accountability, um, there's no respect, there's no team. Mm-hmm. Like in the story, so the role of a team manager is vital to the group, and not. And I'll be honest, not not a lot of teams will appreciate. Not a lot of people respect that role of a team manager. Absolutely, but they forget that the team manager in our league back home uh, do the longest hours. You know, they're the first one there; they'll be the last one out. They've got laundry, they've got flights, accommodation, travel. They've got um, transport, you know, organizing flights, flight changes within even even harder within COVID. Mm-hmm. Now you have a team manager that creates culture, that creates a great environment, that respects and 
uh, um, that has respect for the players and the players respect him, it's a game changer. Like you look at the Sydney Kings right now, they have they have a great culture down there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Perth Wildcats, they might not be putting away some good games, but they got a great culture there. Mm-hmm. They, they've been. Why do you think they've been winning so many championships in the NBL? They got an awesome culture. They got an organization that appreciates everybody that steps into that role. Melbourne United, been a tough year for them, but you know, the last how many years it's always been Melbourne United and Perth Wildcats. Um, biggest one is uh, Jack Jumpers. They've only just been new in the league. Now, second year, they're already hitting the finals. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Scott Roth is big on culture, you know, so those roles, are, those roles, I don't, I feel, to be honest, I feel like not, not a lot of people appreciate it. They think we're the water boy for the team. We pick up after everybody. We clean up. Yes, we do. But you're not in here. You, 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 you clock on at nine o'clock and then you clock off at lunchtime. You're home. That team manager's still there going on to like three, four o'clock, five o'clock in the afternoon. You know, still trying to finish it down, set it ready for the next day. Without yeah. a team manager that understands and respects that, that, that understands and has culture and creates a culture in, within the league, man, your team's going to suffer. It's just going to be a clock-on-clock-off shift. What's the biggest and best culture environment you've been a part of? The boomers. Yeah. What's that, what's, that, the- what's that culture like inside? Can you take me inside, for example, the Tokyo Olympics? Man. Um. We don't have cliques within our crew. Mm-hmm. We don't. Um, um, we don't have cliques within our crew. So we have. Um, we have everybody. We all hang out together. We all yeah. do things together. You know. Um, we all respect each other. You know. So from our coaches of Cape Horn, Matty Nielsen, Brian Gorgian. Um, you know, really, John really in in um, um, in Perth, Dave Patrick's. You know, we've got that uh, uh, Jacomas down in Wollongong. That coaching group, they we we're embedded as a group to come in. That's why we got a bronze medal. It's not because we, it's not because we got we've got good players. But when we came in there, like. Max, when we roll in the village, then this is not a this is not an ego thing. Like this is not to pump up ours. But when we roll in the village, we always had a speaker with us. And we'd be blasting the speaker with Australian greats songs, hits all through to our bus, from our bus, to our room, <laughs> um, to practice, in practice, down the way to the game in the locker room, walk on you know, all the way through. It's it's mm-hmm. what it's a culture that we've created. Everybody holds each other accountable. Like you have to, you know. If there's no accountability, there's no respect. It's like do whatever you want, but now you you put on the green and gold in, with the boomers. Like it's a it's a massive, um, um, and it's a massive transition. Massive transition. Um, so for the guys that come from the NBA. When, when, um, like the young guys, like Matisse and Josh Green, um, the young guys that we had on the crew, who else was, uh, Dua, um, uh, Dante, they hadn't been in that circle in a long time, so it'd been a while for them to come, yeah. So now they're coming in in the circle, now they're just enjoying basketball, 
if you can have if you can enjoy that environment of what you have off the court, imagine how much fun it is to play on the court. Yeah, like abs- you watched the bronze medal. Was it fun yeah. to watch? Yeah, absolutely. Because you can see that culture in there. Oh, that's what it was. Patty's Patty shedding tears because it's been a journey for sixteen years for them to try and lock down the medal. Mm. You know, so in that original group, there's Bainsey, myself, Patty, Joe, Delhi, Maddie Nielsen were the only only six guys that's been in this still that are still on the squad that will go in a bronze medal, you know? So, um, yeah, it's a big part. It's a big part for us. It's a, it's a, you know, how we set our locker room, how we create that environment, how we set up our team room, our, our communication within it, within our group, our support staff, our coaches, our security, our trainers, you know, yeah, everyone has to be on the same page. Yeah, absolutely. So can you take me through that bronze medal match for you and what that was like after, you know, 15, 16 years, you know, you mentioned clocking on at nine, clocking off at nine. It's extreme. It's really long hours for yourself as an equipment manager um, compared to, you know, some of the guys and the amount of work you're doing on both on and off the court. What was that like to finally get that reward in the Olympics? Man, um, I was emotional. It was so emotional. I think Patty set the tone coming off the court, and that that I um, that iconic picture of Patty and Joe having a big hug mm-hmm. just after getting like buzzers gone. We've we've just beat Luka Doncic and his crew, and there's Patty and Joe hugging it out, and it's a massive picture now. Like it's it, it's around the country, yeah. you know. So that emotion. It was such a excitement. It was such a a longer even mind you, still in the midst of COVID, we were still able to overcome those hurdles. I mean, the only game we lost out of out of the tournament from prep to Olympics was Team USA. Mm-hmm. So we won every game, and that's the only game we lost. The pre-trial games to the games that we played. Um, in the village, we only lost one game. So, just just imagine how how close that group is now. Like I'm trying to explain to you. So, we have such a good relationship now. It gets more exciting because we've won it. We've come off the court. We have 42, 48 hours to exit the village. Mm-hmm. So we literally we're rolling back from the village. Music pumping. Boys having a good time. You know, just enjoying it. Um, we roll back into the village. Have no idea. It's one one thirty in the morning. We come. We walk from our bus, pumping our music. You know, people are still out because it's the last few people, last few teams that are still in the village. We walk around. We walk down the main strip, and then we turn like a hard hard left, and there's the Australian village. Everybody's downstairs waiting to greet the whole team. So now the party's just about to get started. Yeah. <laughs> so like we walk in and everyone's and it's raining, so everyone's partying. But you know, I I enjoyed the moment of winning winning the the medal, but I still had to work because we have to ship everybody's gear out. We have to ship all the equipment. We gotta pack everything up. We gotta pull down all our signages in our hallways. Yeah make sure that every room's appropriate and, and 
um, and it's left appropriately for for when we finish to you know to bounce back to Australia. So, I to be honest, I really didn't celebrate much. I, I maybe thirty minutes of that time. Um, I didn't really do much celebration because I still had to go back to work. So, um, everyone was still partying on until like the next day. Still partying on until next day. What was the best part of Olympic Village life? Food hall. Food hall for sure. Really? Good food or just like? Man. Oh, good food. Yeah, for sure good food. You're in Japan, you know. Like, so they had they had the westernized main hall for everybody. Yeah. But then they had a Japanese authentic cuisine section with the Japanese traditional sushi, mm-hmm. all that in a different mm-hmm. location. So, yeah, I'm, like, back and forth. And this is, like, the main hall is open 24 hours. So yeah. you can get in there. Food, every country represented, you can get into it, you know. It's, wow. it's there. Yeah, so it's... Um, so what was, yeah, what was Australia's representation in the food hall for food? Um, Australia's reputation? Was there, ve- was there Vegemite or that kind of thing? Oh, so so in our in our headquarters in our building, we yeah. had something. We had a what would you say? Like we had our own health store set up downstairs, mm-hmm. so we can go into this place and grab whatever we want. Vegemite, toy, cereal, mm-hmm. everything from back home is in our own pantry. Think it's a big pantry, like a big walking pantry. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's huge. That's yeah. You know them containers, like them big containers you yeah, see yeah. home? Yeah. Imagine two of those side by side. Wow. And we just walk in and like wow. that's how big the rooms were. So we had in that in that we had food, yogurt, everything that we could get back home. Ayo, she done an amazing job just to provide that for us. Because obviously you can't go out of the village mm-hmm. to get stuff um, unless you have a exemption and there was only Two, only four people that had an exemption in the basketball team that could go out of the, out of the village. Yeah. So everything else was in there for us, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Did you know how much that gold, that bronze medal meant, sorry, to people back home in Australia until you got home? No. Yeah, no, nah, I, I didn't realise how much. I was so soaked up in the moment of enjoying that that time that um, that we had so many messages, everybody coming in and, mm-hmm. you know, congratulating us and messages and calls and, you know, so many people, you know. And then when you touch back home, then you see how big it is, you know, how big it was back home. And watching a few of the, you know, um, live uh, broadcasts with, with gays and, and the panel from back home and seeing them dialing into the games, um, yeah, it was, um, man, it's, it, I still remember every split second of that, that, um, that day was, I don't know, such, so much nervous, nervousness and just so, um, you know, just amped up and, uh, anxiety and, oh, the whole thing. It was just unreal. Um, but yeah. Didn't realize how big it was. Yeah. What What was that like when you get back to the airport at home? We roll. 
it was tough because we you there were two ports to fly to uh from from japan we flew to brisbane mm-hmm. so we quarantined in brisbane and there was one in sydney and there was one in darwin darwin was the open court where you can go out and hang outside and everything like that um but the one where we were we were stuck in a small room it wasn't mm-hmm. a big room at all um so really didn't see too much of that celebration, you know, but we just kept hearing from everybody and watching the news once we got back home. Um, but we did, a, we, did a, we did a parade in, in Brisbane. For, there was a parade organised for us in Brisbane. Um, and, yeah, we were able to get something done in Brisbane. Um, but I think uh, coming up for the next World Cup, it's going to be the first time that everyone's been able to gather after quarantine, mm-hmm. after all the COVID. So I think there's going to be a big gathering in Melbourne. Yeah, absolutely. You're the first. Yeah. yeah. Um, so can you take me through what that's like when you get that call from, I guess, Joe Ingalls and he's gone, we might have a gig for you at Utah? Um. The tour itself is about nine weeks, mm-hmm. you know, so when you have a young family, it's not, it's not easy. It's pretty hard. Yeah. Um, especially when your daughter's about three and, and then your wife has to handle everything by herself. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not easy. So being away from the family is hard. Um, and then being able to come and then having to do, because we camped in, in LA first. Yeah. We camped in LA couple of weeks and then we went to Vegas a couple of weeks in Vegas and then we were off to Tokyo from Vegas, from LA and then we get back home and then we're in quarantine for two weeks mm-hmm. so I'll get the news while I'm quarantined then I've, I've spoken to my wife about it, come out of quarantine I'm home for a couple of weeks and then I'm off again mm-hmm. so I really haven't had much time with my family um so that that was definitely a tough part um but what was the biggest factors in making that decision to you know i guess relocate to the us am i ever going to get this opportunity again no um my family um really the biggest one and just just had given a go if it wasn't for me i was going to just be on the next flight home yeah. Um, but I came out of that, you know, made a decision and supported my wife and then being able to get on a flight and get over. And it's hard living away from your family because you've already just been away from your family for nearly three months, so now you're back on the road again. Um, but you're getting to Utah, um, unknown environment, you know, um, just had Joe and that, that was about it. But um, the crew in Utah that I got connected with were awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're really good, like, like we're family now, like we're, they're my boys. And um, if it wasn't for them and Joe and Renee Ingalls, um, yeah, I, I think I would have struggled a bit in Utah um, not having my family there. But the organization is awesome. I had an awesome time. Um, the head equipment guy there, Adam Clarkey, um, who's been in the league for a long time, uh, did an awesome job for me to come in, um, transition in, get to understand the role. Um, had had you know gave it gave a go for the year, so I really I really did enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, can you take me through? You mentioned earlier that COVID period in 
2020. It's a really inspirational period, I guess, from the outlookers um, into what you did, you know, traveling and the journey you did throughout that time, you know, driving trucks in the outback. What was that like? Because <clears throat> um, that, that's, that's pretty – it's pretty crazy and it's great to look out on that when you see going, I guess, you can go from that boomer's environment and then to driving trucks in the outback, you know? Um, I guess, you know, like, yeah, it's definitely, a, a, um, I guess it, it's definitely different, should I say. Um, but leaving Brisbane, going back to driving trucks up North Queensland, and we live four hours north out of Cairns in a small community of, um, small community, um, called Cooktown, um, and, Worked in the family, um, in my wife's, um, uh, her parents, my in-laws, family business, um, driving trucks, you know, um, how, you know, it's, it's driving from doing basketball and back to driving trucks and shipping coal, you know, dry, dry food, coal food, seafood up and back, four hours trips um, from Cook County, Cairns and back three, three times a week. Um, so yeah, it was you know you you kind of you kind of you know it, it's not the it's it's a different environment to be in. Um, I, I've I've held a semi license for a while, so I could just get into a truck and drive and you know just cruise, which was great. Um, but yeah, it was it was definitely it definitely keeps you it tests your patience mm-hmm. for one. Um, but you kind of got to still keep that humility and humbleness about, you know, like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how, how big the job is or how small the job is. Um, it, it definitely, you know, had my, uh, had, I had a few collisions. Oh, I should say, yeah. Hit a few kangaroos, good size, cleaned up a big cow once. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> cleaned up a big cow, took out the whole front end of my, left side of the truck so the truck had to go into yeah big size cow and driving at night and it's hard to see on like sundown and i clean this cow just comes up on the road and i'm doing about a hundred i'm doing a hundred and like either side of it there's this massive embankment so i'm just like i'm gonna take this cow or else i'm going down the side mm-hmm. um yeah so um you know what i've enjoyed of every i've enjoyed every Every job, like you know, and and the those listening in every job has its challenge. Um, every job has its highs and its lows. Uh, it just depends on how you manage it. Really. Did that job instill you with appreciation and being grateful for you know what we have? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, I'm. Uh, I just <clears throat> for me, it's about it's about the people that I'm around. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's about it's about making it, in, it. It's about the experience and sharing the experience. I'm big on I'm big on culture, but I'm also big on someone having a go, mm-hmm. give them a chance to experience what the journey that I've been through. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's never been, um, and and this is really big because there's no equipment manager in the league that's been to as many World Cups. There's no equipment manager in the NBA that's been to as many World Cups and Olympics that I've been to. None of them have done it. Mm. 
So when you step into a role and you come in to represent a country out here, might be your first year, but you've got a lot of international experience, you know, so um, and, and being able to, you know, it's, it's different when you just do equipment and, and that's it. But when you're in the NBL, you're doing flights, accommodation, travel, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. hotel bookings, transport, everything that you have to manage, not just one player, you got to manage coaches, trainers, mm-hmm. and players. So it's a whole lot different going from doing that to coming back and just doing equipment. So, what's it, what's it been like to spend time? And when did you actually get that phone call from Paddy Mills to, you know, be able to get to know him <clears throat> for one and be security? I've been around him for a while, and just you know, uh, this role really does. Um, to allow you a bit more flexibility? Yeah, massive flexibility. Plenty, plenty flexibility, but hours can change, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, hours can vary, and it's really when you're working for, a, uh, for a, I'd say, a professional athlete, you're really on their watch, and, and where they move, you're moving. When they finish their, your day, their day, that's when you finish your day. Um so that's what the movement's like and being able to do that. So being able to take care of Paddy's security on tour, on the tour we had in the country and come here, um, do a bit of that, transport, logistics, um, and assist in his foundation. Um, really, yeah, it's, a, it's, um, it's, it's been a blessing. It's, yeah, it's been really good. I've been able to live in New York where I've never thought I'd live in, and then also work for Patty Mills when, um, here in New York and enjoy this this journey with him and his 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 wife and his team. Um, um, so yeah, and it's great because we're here. Then from here we go. When we go to World Cup, we both go to World Cup. Mm-hmm. When we go to Olympics, we both go to Olympics. You know, so. Um, yeah, there's a group, great, a great team Mills uh, crew here in, in New York. Um, so yeah, we, it's, uh, um, I, I guess I speak for everyone. I'm sure everyone's just enjoying the position and the role of the opportunity that, that Patty's given. Was there a lot of learning or training in regards to being able to be through security and things like that, or had you had prior experience in that field? There is there is a bit of training. There is definitely training in it, um, but it's just being able to manage, and you know, being able to keep and have an eye out for it. You know, yeah, watching them for for every movement, yeah. move it, and being able to move them through different different places. I think the biggest thing is when we come home to Australia. It's just everybody sees Patty and gets excited, and everybody wants to. Everyone, say, you know, everyone knows who he is. Yeah, everyone knows who Patty is, you know. So it's, you know, you imagine having the country with all the 10 players in the NBA being in the country for World Cup. Imagine how hard that's going to be, you know. So that's going to be interesting. We're going to be an interesting month come a couple of months. So, you know, I'm sure Basketball Australia has, um, they've got something figured out for that. But um, being able to take care of him and be around him, uh, it's been um it's it's definitely long days, long nights, but you enjoy it, you know. Do you travel um, with Patty and the team? 
I don't travel with the team, which is yeah. uh, the team has four security, four, yeah. four main bodyguards that they travel with. KD has his own security that travels with. Um, and then I think uh, Ben Simmons has his security. Kyrie has his security. Mm-hmm. So all the main guys have, a lot of guys have their, big time guys have their security. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but a lot of the uh, over here, a lot of the security guys are ex NYPD or police officers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, what's that like then? And how much do you usually spend on average with Patty? Say that again, Max. Sorry. How much do you usually spend on average with Patty? And you, you can have a lot. Um, if he's home, we're we're doing something every day. Mm-hmm. So if he's not on the road, you know, we I'm with him. Is there lots of Majority different signings of and things like that you have to attend or? Not really. Um, you know, he's got practice. He does. He, he could have, he'll have practice or he might have um, a, a, a team meeting or, you know, or um, say a promo somewhere or, you know, an event somewhere that he needs to go to. A lot of it's, a lot of it, it's mostly, um, next commitments. Spoken about uh, Brian Gorgian, John Reilly, Jackie Jacobus, all these guys in the NBL who are a part of the team with you at the Boomers. What's that like to have that connection with those guys that I guess when you do come back to Australia to visit family or things like that, you've got those guys too? Right. Um, you know, it was great because I, I caught some of the coaches. I actually caught them at Summer League. So at Summer League, uh, Gorgian was there, Conan was there, uh, really was there. So I got to see all three of them. Um, Kate Porn was there, Maddie Nielsen was there. Um, so the whole coaching crew, we were able to catch up. And um, it's always good to come home and and, uh, and see and, and catch up with that basketball family side of, you know, or should I say your family on the basketball side of things. So, um and being able to stay in touch and see how they're tracking during the year and mm-hmm. how uh, they're doing in their teams, you know, at Wollongong Hawks, out in China, out of Perth Wildcats. So, you know, you get you get to see that. So it's um, super pumped for them and how they're doing, um, the success they're having. You know, we, we've just come off, uh, I guess, the following year and they've both got a gig in the NBL, you know, really out of Perth and Jacobus is head coach out in Long, long and gorgeous got a gig out in, in China. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's I'm um, it's I'm honored to be on that staff of with Gorgeous and Gorgeous staff um, to have a group of people alongside me. How have you viewed the NBL this season in NBL twenty three? Sorry, you just dropped out there, Max. Yeah, that's all good. How have you viewed, I guess, the NBL this season in NBL twenty three? Well, you know, teams that you're not expecting to be up in the top four are in the top four. It's been a pretty crazy season. Yeah. You know, it's been a um, tough tough season for for a lot of teams, you know. And the the teams are stacked. Mm -hmm. You know, Adelaide's got a great team. Brisbane's got a great team. Everyone's got a great team. It's just end of the the day just trying to put it together, I guess, you know, it's – you know, I think they've. It's you know it's going to be a great um, 
great finals and see how you know see who finishes up in those those spots to lock it in. But it's exciting. I'm a I'm a Cairns boy, so it's exciting to see Cairns come up. You know, mm-hmm. um, can Cairns to be up there and and be. I think I seen they were second on the ladder. Yep, they're second right um, now. And, and Perth is on top, and Sydney Kings on top. Um, but you know, forty, forty, and Beecroft, general um, manager. They they do they they put on put a good group together. Um, do you think they can go all the way? Never know. Man, be excited. Be uh, don't see why not. You know, cares are beating Sydney. Cares are beating Jackers. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's um. It's, I'm excited. Yeah, we're we're excited. I'm excited to watch a bit of the see those games come. You know, those games coming up. Absolutely, Junior. It's been great to have you on. Just before I let you go, what's your best advice to anyone trying to break in as a security guard or a team equipment manager, team manager into the L or into the NBL or into the NBA? As a as an equipment manager and a team manager. Um, my best advice is being able to give your best every day. Um, you set the tone, you set the environment for what happens that day. It starts with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you you have to you have to put leave everything up when you step out on, on the job and you've got you've got a whole team of sixteen or fourteen guys, coaching crew of four how many trainers, supporting staff. It's If you can create that culture and a great culture and great environment for that team, like I guarantee you, like it's, it'll be a successful team. If you can connect off the floor, if the group can connect off the floor and have a great culture off the floor, they'll have a great culture on the floor. Um, being a perfectionist, um, in even if, if it's a small job, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You give a hundred ten percent regardless. Just so I finish with it, one of my biggest jobs in the NBA was doing laundry. Mm-hmm. So I did laundry for every team, for our team at practice. You know, so I've gone from I've gone from you know being a organizing operations and team manager and flight accommodation, and now I do equipment and laundry. Mm-hmm. 80% of my job is laundry. <laughs> so love it. Fill in the room, two big washes, two big dryers, mm-hmm. put my music on. What else? I'm working for the Utah Jazz. What, are, what do I need to complain about? You know, yeah. so it doesn't matter where you are. You've got to start somewhere. And someone's always watching. Someone's watching your performance. Regardless, like you might think they're not, I guarantee you. And that's how I got into the NBA. Someone had watched me work at a World Cup and thought about me when a job came up in the NBA. And how many years later, I, I get to be the first team manager to get a job in the NBA mm. out of Australia. Yeah, absolutely. Junior, it's a great inspirational story you shared today. Your mentality and mindset of giving 110% to everything is um, incredibly exceptional. It's been an absolute honour. Uh, to have you on the show. Appreciate it, Max. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Um, it's so good. Thank you for this opportunity. So good to see what you're doing back home. Um, and yeah, loving it. Keep doing it, mate. You're doing an awesome job. 
Junior, thanks so much. Thanks for listening, everyone, to Sporting Max. We'll see you soon. This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEM.